0: Welcome. This is The Personified Dichotomy with Jack Healy,
1: Michael Mancini, Andrew Fiore, and David Bellotta.
0: Today's episode is The Immoral Prometheus, where we discuss the moral characteristics found within the novel Frankenstein and its main character, Victor Frankenstein. Dun-dun-dun! While reading the novel Frankenstein, the titular doctor evoked great thoughts on his true moral standing. His actions could be looked through some lens as good or bad, but we wanted a more concrete answer to come to the table with. So we decided to observe his actions within the novel and the novel itself through different lenses of uh, critiquing. These lenses included a feminist lens, a historical contextual lens, and a mythological lens, all to determine the true moral standing of Frankenstein as a character.
2: When looking at the historical contextualization perspective of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, it's important to acknowledge her upbringing. Her father deemed the father of modern anarchy, and her mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, famous for writing The Vindication of the Rights of Women, definitely affected what we see in her works in Frankenstein today. Uh, because of child-related, uh, birth-related causes, uh, Mary, Shelley, Mary, Mary Shelley's mother died uh, while giving birth, and she experienced several other family losses in her early childhood. Uh, it, is, it makes sense, then, that we see such a grim tone taken to the story of Frankenstein and her response to or her portrayal of death within the novel.
3: And the parallels between Victor and Mary Shelley don't stop there. When Mary Shelley was young, she was able to view a presentation, and this is very early in the scientific use of electricity as a common feature, Uh, but she was able to witness a showing of electricity and its early effects, and I believe the scientist uh, made a muscle twitch, live on display, which at the time was shocking. Uh, but this, very, this is very similar to Victor in his early life when he was able to uh, discover the power of science when the, uh, the lightning hit the tree and he was able to see a scientist give a presentation on science. So her realization of the power of science in her early life definitely played a major role in
1: the themes we see in the novel continuing to look at this parallel between uh sh- between Shelley and, and Victor, um both of them having had major losses in their lives of, of close ones and loved ones, um they both faced isolation we see, and we also see them in that isolation it pushed them to do different sorts of work. So so for, for Shelley it was to, to write her book and to and to convey her thoughts and her beliefs in that way. For Frankenstein, it was to create the creature and unlock the secret to life.
0: But what does that entirely have to do with Victor and how his actions kind, and how his actions kind of relate to what kind of person he is, morality wise? Because we're given a lot of context where there aren't many
1: connections to it yet extreme loss can be a very blinding and traumatic event so in so in Victor's case in in his loss he was blinded from the evils that could come from something that is innately a beautiful thing life but something that's natural and beautiful life but he turned it into something that was unnatural and inherently you
2: can see Shelley's disdain for ...modern sciences, as you see the way new technology is portrayed in the novel, Victor Creating Life, is... uh, ...you can almost see from the reader's perspective that you're not supposed to agree with this new method of resurrection. So, due to
0: Mary Shelley's upbringing and distrust of science, that translates to painting Victor as an immoral character for going too far with technology when he should not have.
3: I agree with that, but one thing I do disagree with is what Michael said earlier. Uh, he was comparing the creation of the novel Frankenstein and the creation of the monster, both being a product of pain. Yet, Victor's real pain came after the creation of the monster. I think the biggest pains in life were actually byproducts of the creation, rather than actually just uh, a cause for the creation.
0: And could that be argued for as well for Mary after she made the novel Frankenstein? Because that could be another parallel, if that's true.
3: Well, the thing with Shelley is her pain came before the novel. Most of it did.
0: What of the... When she was trying to get Frankenstein published and it had to go... ...under the name of her husband first.
3: Yet that pales in comparison to the death of her mother, I would say. But Victor also lost his mother.
1: Andrew, you have, you have a good point. But I would, I would say that Victor suffered a loss even before the, in, the initial creation of the creature. I would say that he lost a part of his humanity in his decision to, in, in his decision to pursue that dream. I would say that in the months leading up to creating the creature, when he, got, when he got mentally and physically sick, that he lost a piece of his humanity.
0: It can be considered, then, that while Frankenstein ch- lost a bit of humanity while putting his, all of his effort into his work, i.e. the creature, Mary put her humanity and her understanding of what is good into making her work, which is a separation between the two, putting Mary, the author, as the moral one, and Victor, the one who lost his humanity, as the immoral one.
2: And you could almost say poetically that when Victor, dis- like whether he decided to or not, gave up a part of himself in the process of creating the, the creature, the creature gained that bit that he lost, like, in life, that that wasn't lost, maybe it was just, transferred in a way, Well, Victor may have lost some of his humanity,
3: the creature gained some. I think that aspect that David was just saying that Victor lost was vitality and passion for life. Because from the point of his sickness right before the creature became alive, he lost all passion. He was in despair for the entire novel. Whereas, at least in the early part of the creature's life... Uh, It was full of wonder about what it was experiencing up until the point where it got betrayed by humans. But it it is true then that Victor lost his vitality and his joy of living and surrendered it to the creature.
2: During the novel as a whole, going back to historical contextualization, we see a lot of works of literature like Paradise Lost, which are often referred to and used as a vehicle to move the plot. Uh, While the reader is not forced to understand these works of literature before entering the novel, they certainly leave with a bit of understanding about the works through her work.
0: A different perspective, you would say? I, I would. It's definitely a possibility. With her parents being so linked to the progressive movement at the time, it would make sense that she, as a more progressive author would want to reference others at that time, being a similarly progressive and intellectual.
1: And actually, the, uh, the mention of Paradise Lost in these allusions uh, is a good transition point to focus on the mythological lens. In addition to the similarities between Shelley and Victor, there's also a correlation between Victor and Prometheus. We see that both Prometheus and Victor... Create something against the rules of God in Victor's case or against the rules of Zeus in Prometheus's case. We, we see that they both bring new knowledge, and we also see that they're both punished for their creations. One difference, however, is that one treats their creation with care, that being Prometheus, and the other with neglect, Victor.
3: And that brings the case of responsibility into this discussion prometheus ultimately had responsibility for his actions he was caring for other beings outside of himself he brought the fire to the humans because he felt bad for him and uh for them and he knew that they deserved it however victor within minutes of his creation decided to abandon it feeling ashamed had no pity for it he just left he was not responsible for his actions Victor could have definitely at least cared for his creation, or at least a little bit, or even, uh, I don't know, not created it at all to prevent the murders. If he had shown a little bit of responsibility, instead of just abandoning his work, then a lot of lives would have been saved. And this is the ultimate difference between Prometheus and Victor, its responsibility for their actions.
0: But if we're remembering the historical context... Um, and that Mary believed that the idea of progress and and that idea of Prometheus was flawed in the beginning, then wouldn't Frankenstein, coming to his senses about the creature, kind of portray him as in he realizes his mistake, and that um, he realizes what he's done wrong at that point?
3: Well, you see, there's a difference between responsibility and accountability here, because Victor may have realized his actions, but he did not act upon them. When he did meet the monster, instead of changing his ways, he just insulted the monster, making the wounds deeper for the creation.
2: And I mean, to add on to that, every encounter he's had with the monster, up until chasing it and hunting it, um, has been to hide him. I, I mean, when you go back to the case of the courts and Justine... Instead of just coming out and saying, I know what happened. It was my creation. He didn't want to sound absurd, so he just let what was going to happen happen. He didn't speak up. So I definitely think you're right, Andrew. Accountability is a big part of, uh, of Victor's punishment.
3: And Victor, unlike Prometheus, lacks courage. He let his own personal fear get in the way of doing what he knew was right. And he showed this with the amount of remorse he showed during the trial. Prometheus, on the other hand... Not only accepted his punishment, but said if he had the choice to redo it, he would just give the humans the fire again. He would not change what he did.
0: So what you're both arguing is that it could potentially be a form of selfishness on Victor's part to save his image rather than realizing the wrongs he had did and acting accordingly?
2: Well, I think that's why we claim uh, this episode to be the immoral Prometheus, because... Uh, As Andrew was saying, while uh, Prometheus would say he would do it again if given the chance, Victor wouldn't. The creature's only ask of Victor was that he would retreat uh, and be isolated. All he wanted was a wife, but Victor wouldn't do that. Uh, He wouldn't do the same thing he did again.
0: One of Victor's arguments, because he does begin making the wife for the creature, he does begin to comply with the creature's demands, but then halfway through... He changes his mind, and the ar- the main argument in his head for doing so is a fear that the creature and his wife that he's currently creating might have children. Is this an actual ideal thought of him realizing that his actions could have consequences and taking the appropriate responsibility, or is he justifying his desire to see the creature suffer through a thin veneer of selfishness? Selflessness. Nailed it.
3: Do you know what the answer to that is? He was out of fear. Again, going back to fear. Prometheus was a classic ancient Greek hero. Heroes have courage. Victor, rather than being able to take a risk to account for his mistakes and have the courage to stand up and take his consequences, Victor fled. The whole book, he's fleeing. He travels across Europe and then into the Arctic, fleeing, escaping from
1: what he did. He has no courage. He is not a hero. As Prometheus was tortured by Zeus for his actions and was to be pecked away at for eternity, we, we, we can't say that Victor also didn't, f- didn't face punishment. Throughout the story... We see that Victor faces a an extreme internal struggle. We see that as the story progresses, he continues to lose his loved ones, and we continue to see that the idea of the creature pecks away at him. And we see that unless he can resolve his his conflict with the creature, he won't be able to form any new relationships or really be able to nurture the ones that he currently has. I think that's a a great point, Michael, and you could see you can see
2: that that is almost imagery for Prometheus' change to the rock. I mean it just in a different sense that uh Victor is is losing all his ties to his loved ones and that that is his further isolation.
0: But and at, that,
3: oh. after you. That isolation is clearly I'll say emphasized by Shelley in her choice of setting at the beginning and end of the novel. Um, When they were in the Arctic, no life. You could see even the dogs were dying. It was completely devoid of all humanity.
0: A barren wasteland.
3: Yes. That signifies how much of a wasteland Victor's heart was at that point. He was so devastated by what had happened.
0: So if I'm to understand correctly then... All of his motivations for dealing with the creature were entirely selfish. It was so he could reestablish those connections. It was so he could maintain that good view the world had of him, of being a renowned, of being a scientist. It was all for himself. At no point did he ever consider doing things for other people. And and I think where that assumption shows up the most is in uh, when he assumes that the monster is going to kill him rather than his wife, Elizabeth, in the end, towards the end of the novel. And I'd like to use this as an opportunity to shift over to our final lens, the feminist lens of Frankenstein. Uh, When he was threatened that his life would be made into hell by the creature, Uh, after he killed the creature's wife I'm referring to Victor Frankenstein of course uh, he immediately assumed that it would be him dying when he never even considered the other person residing in his room on the night of their wedding that's right Elizabeth was the true target and Victor Frankenstein never even considered it in part due to his selfishness but also in part due to the idea that women didn't matter as much in his head due to the patriarchal upbringing that he had. In fact, this can even be seen in, rather than Victor offering marriage to Elizabeth or Elizabeth doing the opposite, it was his father offering uh, Elizabeth to Frick, to Victor um, that led to the marriage.
1: And I guess we also see Shelley allude to the uh, the patriarchal pressure of her time when we see justine on trial um victor very well could could have stood up for her and and taken the blame for for the actions of the creature because after all that was his creation but he let justine bear the weight of his sin
3: Ah, but wouldn't the true biblical comparison for justine be christ himself Think about it, Justine is essentially taking the sins of Victor onto her own shoulders and dying as a sacrificial lamb for it.
2: Well, I think that's a great comparison that Shelley makes in the novel. I mean, on the whole, I think she treats um, acts of masculinity uh, to be almost uh, selfishness. Like, if you if you look at Walton from the beginning, um, his pursuit of the Arctic, and then um, Victor's pursuit of... Becoming basically essentially a, a godlike figure, a master of the undead, then they're both taking on these really selfish endeavors and they're pers- portrayed as a, a masculine, whereas you have characters like Justine who represent almost the exact opposite. And what I really
0: think would be important to take into account in discussing this would have to be just the amount of agency those women are given throughout the novel. Uh, could any of you three list to me the amount of times where Elizabeth or Justine in the few times they're mentioned are actually given agency to do something within this story? I can't say it happens at all. Neither can I. And you'd be hard-pressed to find an example. Exactly. In showing the woman characters with a complete lack of agency, um, Shelley is showing how at the time, women were given a complete lack of agency. They were just ordered what to do. And this is shown to be very poor in what it results. Uh, Justine dies, Elizabeth dies, as a direct result of their lack of agency and as a direct result of Victor's agency. His agency, due to his masculinity and the patriarchal structure of Europe at the time, led to the direct suffering. That's painting him as
2: immoral. And I think this is a great rhetorical technique that Shelley uses in the novel. Um, rather than putting light on a feminine perspective, she uses what's not being said to strengthen her argument. It's almost as if it, the transparency of what we see creates its own opacity to, to the events that we're reading.
3: Yes, and this ties in very well to Elizabeth's situation because she has a sense of opacity to her real struggles. She's only feeling the joy of being in a relationship with Frankenstein once it's basically set up for her. She, she expressed her joy after the fact that it was decided that they would get married. So she, she really is blind to her own struggle for most of her life.
0: And that, I think, returns back to that lack of agency that Elizabeth is given being a reflection for the lack of agency that women were given back then.
2: And I think you can relate that to so the ultimate like relationships that form in the novel that they're not driven by passion but they're driven by tradition which is ultimately a patriarchy and that agency that you're, that you're saying these characters lack is
1: because of that. Right. And 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 through these these aspects I I liked the word tradition, David, that you used. She's trying to unravel this this preconceived notion of what it means to be a woman and of what it means to be a man. And I
2: could you could almost see that the portrayal of marriage in the novel is a direct contrast of what Mary Shelley grew up uh, experiencing in her own household. I mean, before the passing of her mother and before her conception, uh, Mary Wilsoncraft and Mary Shelley's father had a very open relationship. She had siblings from different fathers, and I believe they had an open marriage. So that family structure was very different from most of the time, and I think that was part of their progressive nature, and she was trying to show the opposite within the novel.
0: Um, and the difference between that and in the novel can best be seen not only in the per- character we mainly follow, Victor, but also in the character that mainly antagonizes him, i.e. the creature. Even the creature, um, which you may think that since he opposes the immoral Frankenstein, would be seen as a potential more moral person to put your viewpoint in, even he uh, still believes that he should be able to own a wife. He goes to Frankenstein asking him to make him a wife, to own, so he can own a wife and have some human connection. Even he's asking Victor to repeat the sin that the creature himself already hated him for just so he could own a woman. And really, I think that's a very good reflection of how Mary Shelley saw that not, it wasn't just a problem. Even the most moral of characters in her time still supported the patriarchy to the extent where they can't even realize their own mistakes at that point. Um, And this just goes to show even more how Victor was immoral. Because even if the creature, the one who opposes him, was immoral in that regard, then it would show how Victor, who was below his level, is even more
3: immoral. I think there's a relationship between a, a man and a woman in this book that's not even romantic that says a lot about this situation. And that's between Walton and his sister. All we know about Walton's sister is that she's receiving the letters that Walton wrote, which contain very little about her, but are dominated about what he's doing. He's describing his expedition. She is there to listen and provide support. She has nothing else going on for her from what we know, and that in itself is a statement by Mary Shelley.
2: I can definitely see that, and when the focus uh, is on the onus of the man in these relationships, we can see what Shelley's truly trying to say about society at the time. If we want, we want to make a connection between Walton and his sister and Frankenstein and the creature, uh, the Frankenstein and the creature make one big presumption and assumption about the creature's wife before she's even created, that she would want to spend the rest of her life basically being owned by the creature or in the creature's company. While that might be an easy assumption to make because the creature was longing for someone to spend his life with, That's something that they assume of this female character before she's even brought into existence. And so,
0: and it's not just the creature that believes this, but Victor as well. He never reaches the idea that the creature's wife might might leave him and might not have children. He immediately assumes they're going to live together and they are going to have children. And in saying that, uh, I realize that we're starting to expand the scope a bit more than we might want to. So I think we should start to reel it back in as we're running out of time to come up with our final statements on the matter of Victor's Victor's moral standing. And I have to say, we kind of eviscerated the guy. So, are there any comments anyone would like to make before we come to our final conclusion?
1: My greatest takeaway from... Reading the novel and analyzing it through these lenses uh, would have to be that looking through the mythological lens, seeing the uh, really being able to zero in on the illusions, and seeing the similarities between Victor and uh, that uh, Prometheus, and not only looking at the parallels but looking at where there are dichotomies and. Um, in those dichotomies, seeing how Shelley uses it to push forward her her hidden message, and I think probably my strongest
2: takeaway from our discussion is that looking beyond the novel uh, can reveal a lot about uh the story's connections. Uh, just for instance, when we talked about Mary Shelley Mary Shelley's upbringing and then society at the time, and I and even the literature that was that was referenced in the book. And I think each of those, when the reference is explained and you have that knowledge, it's so much easier to see the connections being made in the book.
0: Really, my greatest takeaway is just... If something doesn't make sense looking at it one way, look at it another way, then go back. A lot of times we would start to get looking at things in another lens, like the mythological or the feministic, and then we go straight back to the historical context. And it's really important that you do that, especially with a novel as historically charged as this one, um, with pretty much everything Mary Shelley had seen and experienced to that point, Put into this book and into its characters in one way or another.
3: In the end, I believe Mary Shelley was taking a flawed look at heroes and mythology, which, in essence, is a more realistic look. She took into account the desires for power and for failure. I mean, human nature includes failure and a pursuit of power. She took those into account To create a more realistic and, in essence, a more immoral main character in Victor Frankenstein. And with that, we conclude this episode. This has been The Immoral Prometheus, presented by The Personified Dichotomies. And with that, I'd like to say goodbye.